This is a Career Channel program from UC San Diego Extension. Visit us at uctv.tv slash careers for videos, employment news, and trend articles to help recent college graduates and those in career transition bridge to better employment. These strong women up here are here to share different stories and provide encouragement and inspiration to spark your fire. Uh, whatever your path might be, and you're going to see that there's very different paths that's going to go through it. We're going to go through. My name is Gwen Conley. I am the director of quality at Cutwater Spirits. Uh, I have had a path that has been a bit of an eclectic path. Um, I have biology, microbiology, chemistry, uh, trained sensory professional, ran the flavor panel at Ball Corporation for quite some time, um, but most, uh, I also uh, taught at a lockdown facility for girls between the ages of 12 to 18, um, but I think all of that just taught me how to work with drunks, because you will see that most of my career after, uh, for the past 15 or 20 years, has been involved in brewing. Um, and spirits. Um, so, uh, yay, I like booze. Um, my mom said I would never get anywhere drinking. <laughs> um, goes to show you what she knew. Um, now she hits me up for vodka. Um, so, part of that, though, that defining moment for me was somebody telling me I couldn't do something. And as soon as somebody tells me I can't do something, I usually go, oh, challenge accepted. Um, and I think that you will probably hear that through these ladies as well. Uh, we are going to start with Sylvia. We will move to Alicia. We will then go to Jamie. And then we will end with Susie. See how we're doing this? Ah. Um, so let's start with Sylvia. Okay. Hi, everybody. Thank you for being here tonight. And my path is as a writer. My background, my training, my education is all in journalism. I, I earned a degree from USC in print journalism back in 1982. Um, but leading to that, I think what got me into writing in the first place was my dad was in the Navy, and we were uprooted all the time. So my only constants were reading, and my mom gave me diaries. So that's what sparked everything. And I think once I hit high school, we did come back to San Diego for my high school years, and I went to the Academy of Our Lady of Peace, and I took every writing class I could and knew that I wanted to do writing, just write for a living. So USC was a blessing. I had tons of internships while I was there that I can't speak enough about internships um, because you're thrown into the fire and you're expected to, to act like a journalist even though you're 18, 19, 20 years old. And I did learn a lot through those. Um, when I left USC, though, after all those wonderful internships, I decided I did not want to write for a newspaper, even though I was offered quite a few jobs. Uh, I didn't want to do, I knew what was going to be the course. It was going to be cover the courts and crime or politics and whatever else was out there. But I wanted to do stories about the people that were affected by these things. And I know I couldn't do that just as a cub reporter, per se. So I um, told my counselor, I, I, I accepted a proposal from my husband, soon-to-be husband, and we were moving to Puerto Rico. So I told my counselor, um, I have great news. And she said, what's that? Tell me anything except that you're getting married. I said, 
I'm getting married. So she goes, what a waste. And so, like Gwen's saying, you know, that was a challenge to me. So I was 22 years old, moved to Puerto Rico. By the time I was 23, I already had started my freelance writing career, writing for the two English-speaking newspapers in um, Puerto Rico. And I just went from there. I started my own public relations company while I was there with two other women, the only all-woman-run bilingual uh, PR company on western on the western half of the island. And I decided when we would come home back to San Diego, I wanted to write for the Union Tribune. And so after we got back, I tried to get in. For six months, it was rejection after rejection after rejection. And then finally they said, yes, we'll take this story idea. And then I became an official reporter for the Union Tribune as a freelancer. So I've been freelancing since, you know, right out of college. And then I started my own company, Mendoza Communications, which offers writing and editing services after I took classes here at UCSD Extension with the copy editing program and started my own company. So now I edit other people's manuscripts, I write, I've written books, and I can't imagine doing anything else. And I think about that counselor often. So my name is Alicia McLean, and I am an organizational uh, executive and leadership coach. I focus mostly on software development teams and, and IT uh, organizations. I focus on organizations moving towards greater agility. And the coaching work that I do is with helping people to really shift their thinking around these changes that are happening at work that are causing them a lot of uh, challenge. Um, I love that work, and how did I get here? Boy, if I think about the winding path, what's that little cartoon where the guy goes this way and that way, this way? And Oh, is it Dennis the Menace? I don't know, but a lot of different ways to get here. Um, I grew up in Orange County between Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm, and uh, that was my life for, for many years, and then I went to college, Cal State Fullerton. I started there, but decided that was too boring, so I came to San Diego State, and I'm so glad I did, (laughs) because I I graduated from San Diego State, and I joined a sorority while I was there, Alpha Kappa Alpha, and I'm still a member today, and I still have long-lasting friendships from that, and that means a lot to me. Um, I graduated San Diego State with a bachelor's in information systems and a minor in Spanish, I can shop and eat in in Spanish, (laughs) and that's about it. (laughs) But it's a language that means a lot to me, and I still try to use it as much as possible. Um, I have a master's in organizational leadership. I've worked in technology most of my career, except for when I got laid off. And when I got laid off, I did the stuff that I wanted to do, (laughs) the fun stuff. I've worked in direct sales. I've worked, uh, I've trained as, um, I did training as a uh, conflict resolution and workplace mediation trainer. Um, this was all the fun stuff. And then I went back into technology, and then I got out again and back in. So this is 3.0 for me. I work for myself, and a day of work for me looks like get up, have a couple of coaching calls, have a meeting, go do Pilates, go walk the dog, come back, have a couple of coaching calls, and then maybe do some business wrapping up the day. So it's been a long time coming, but I'm really happy to, happy to be here, and uh, thank you all for coming. Excellent, right? Interesting, ladies. We have lots of experience and knowledge. Jamie. Okay. Good evening. I'm Jamie Moraga. I'm president and CEO of Intel Solutions, Inc. We're a woman-owned small business that does information technology and mission support services for the Department of Defense. Um, what that means is uh, we do software and systems engineering and program management in the services arena. We don't do products, um, but we do a lot of work with the Department of Defense, Department of the Navy, um, Space War specifically, down in Old Town. 
I got my um, bachelor's and master's from University of San Diego. Um, I started off in the public relations, public affairs, and marketing world in between my bachelor's and my master's degree. Um, but then I decided I didn't want to continue on that path. And so after I completed my MBA program, I was having a conversation with my father, and he's retired Navy, and he had started his own business in the defense uh, contracting world and had grown it and sold it to a larger defense contractor, so I had seen entrepreneurship from inception all the way through to mergers and acquisitions, um, and that interested me, and he said, well, what do you think about starting a woman-owned small business in the defense industry? And I was in my late 20s at the time, and I thought, well, yeah, sure, okay, sounds good. And and just so you know, I don't have an engineering degree, and I never have served in the military, so I'm all the I'm mostly on the business side. So um, I think I was just young and, and uh, uh, optimistic, and thought, why not? I'll just try this out and see how it goes. Um, when I walked into a lot of the rooms, there were not a lot of females, let alone young females. And so I just had to just go for it <laughs> and build my reputation. Um, I started out by participating in a lot of the professional organizations. There's a NDIA, National Defense Industrial Association, and San Diego Military Advisory Council, SDMAC. I don't know if, any, if those two organizations are familiar to you. Um, but I grew in those organizations by joining the boards, and then eventually I was the president of SDMAC for a year. And so that really gained um, visibility for me in the in the industry, and uh, I was able to build those relationships and connections. And then the Union Tribune actually approached me five years ago to be a contributor to their weekly um, economy or column. It's usually in the paper every Sunday and on online on the weekends. And um, they have a con panel of economists and a panel of um, president and CEOs. And we just they ask us a question every week, and we provide a perspective. So I bring the the woman-owned small business perspective, and so that, that gets my writing and creative juices going every week, which is exciting. So um, that's just a little bit about me. Excellent. Um, Susie. Okay. Last but not least, Susie. Great. All right. I am an environmental health and safety professional, so first I'll tell you kind of how I got there, and then I'll tell you what that actually means. So um, I was always good at science and math. Um, so I kind of figured I had to either be a doctor or a scientist. So I got my degree in chemistry, and then I worked in some labs, and I worked in a hospital and decided I really didn't like either of those. So I guess my defining moment would be when I discovered the field of public health, which is a great field. Um, it's obviously scientific and health-oriented, but it's, ex it's very applied. So I went back and got my master's in public health, and then I went and worked for the County of San Diego, the Department of Environmental Health, for a number of years. Now I actually teach at UCSD Extension and work for some private companies. So um, what is it that an environmental health and safety professional does? Um, there's, it's a very open field. There's lots of different things you can do. My job has been extremely varied, and that's what I think I love about my job, my field. Um, I work with all different types of people. I work in the office. I work in the field. Um, over a given week, I could be, you know, on Monday, I could be at a construction site wearing an orange vest and a hard hat. 
um, advising them how to remove asbestos and lead safely. And then the next day, I might be in a, in a hospital uh, advising people how to follow infection control practices. And the day after that, I could be in a home where there's been a kid that's been poisoned by lead looking for the source of exposure. And then the day after that, I might be helping a, a disaster response team cleaning up after a wildfire. So extremely varied. Every day is completely different, all with the goal of trying to keep employees safe and the environment safe. So that's my background. Excellent. So we're going to move on. Uh, the first question that I have for everyone um, is, and I think that this will be something that you guys will all be interested in, is what is a significant challenge that you've faced in your career? Um, for instance, and that we went, we're going to give kind of quick answers to you for this, but uh, as being uh, the quality director and having done this for quite a long time, uh, that makes me the warden. Uh, it makes me law and order, and it makes me CSI. Um, that means that I have to proactively look for problems. And somebody once said that to me. They were like, we don't need to look for problems. And I said, that, actually, that's my job. Um, and that proactive approach is there so that we don't have to react to them later. That means that I'm keeping everyone honest. And by keeping everyone honest, the hardest part that I face is getting everybody on board to practice honesty because people don't want to admit their mistakes. But getting them to admit their mistakes and not being judgmental about it in order to make our products consistent is and something that we can all be proud of. And so it's almost like not only am I the warden, but I'm also a mother-like figure. So it's a challenge to make everybody get on board and not go, oh no, quality's coming, hide. <laughs> How about you, Sylvia? Uh, my biggest challenge is to have a life outside of work because, you know, working for ourselves, it's, I mean, I teach several classes here at UCSD Extension. I write and then I edit and have my clients. And so to figure out the day in my schedule working from a home office is pretty crazy. And if I don't keep in check, I can work 15-hour days. And so I think you have to take a break. You know, you have to replenish those juices, those creative juices all the time. So I had to figure out a way to stop, you know. And so I realized when I have three kids, when they were little, I would um, take my work with me, edit or write, and then I realized I can't do that. So I had to be, like, in the moment and just cut off my, my work schedule at the end of the day and maybe um, have a life. So I do, I do dance. I do dance, and I go to uh, concerts, and I do all that stuff now more than I used to. So I do have a balance, more balanced life. For 1.0, for me, of my uh, being an entrepreneur, I would say my biggest challenge was balance. For 2.0, it was consistent income. For 3.0, it's my own thinking. And that is the, probably the biggest challenge that I have, is just kind of keeping myself in a place where I'm positive, I'm creating balance, I'm creating positive energy, and I'm creating business and creating a good, a good income. And so that, that was a big awakening for me. You'll notice that, as, as uh, Sylvia said, balancing your own time, and then Alicia says, managing yourself, that we're all going, yes. <laughs> so all of this is this connection where I said that we really do have that. And so it's kind of cool to listen to each other and go, yeah, we all have this in common. Mm -hmm. Jamie. 
Yeah, I agree with both of the, both of what you say. That's just you want to have self care and balance. It's just it's hard. It's hard working and having families and trying to have time for yourself too. Um, for me in my industry, um, we're a small business, so. Um, Competition's tight and tough, and when that happens, um, you know we're competing against large businesses that you've probably heard of, like Booz Allen Hamilton or SAIC or Northrop Grumman, and then you have larger small businesses that may be like 100 to 200 employees, and we're a smaller business, we're under 100, so we're trying to, you know, we're like the little the little engine that could in, amongst all these big ones, and trying to figure out how to be unique and differentiate ourselves and stand out from the pack. And so um, that's very challenging. And then the second thing too is we're all fighting for the same talent, as well as the commercial world. Um, everybody is trying to get people who are educated in the STEM industry um, and we're all just fighting for the same pool of people and it's hard as a small business to try to compete with some of the things that large businesses can offer so um, those are some of the challenges that I've been facing. Thank you. Uh, Susie. Okay so I would say my biggest challenge is taking the pulse of the situation and, and responding in a proper manner. I, I guess what I'm saying in in, our, in the environmental health and safety world, you have people who underreact to risk, you know, like they'll light a cigarette as they're pumping gas and not think anything of it. And then you have people that overreact to a risk. You know, they inhale one molecule of a toxic material and think they're going to die and want to evacuate the building. So it's really a matter of trying to get the correct information, read the situation, and try to respond in a reasonable way. Fantastic. Um, now, this is something that was taught, uh, touched on um, by our speakers before us, um, but I think that it's very relevant for all of us to talk about. Um, how would you describe the current climate for women in the industry? And that would be your industry today. And has it changed from where you began your career, which, yes, um, <laughs> and, and that's awesome. Um, this one, we have a 10-minute period to divide amongst us. Um, I will tell you that women's role in brewing, distillation, and wine make, making has been very, had been very marginalized. Um, but we are well on our way to reclaiming that um, as roles have increased to, you see a lot of owners, you see master distillers, you see brewmasters, you see vintners, you see CEOs, you see CFOs quality directors, um, you see marketing directors, and uh, really we just have to, uh, we still aren't matching the number of male workers that are out there, um, but it's nice that we are trending upwards. Ma'am. Yes. Um, I think it's a great time to be a girl in journalism, <laughs> in journalism and communications, and I think there's, uh, I think there's a more, actually more women than men in journalism. I think it's changed dramatically. I was the only woman in my sports writing class at USC. And that was really difficult because the professor totally ignored me and all of that. And now you see women everywhere in sports, you know, covering sports and in the sports industry. So I think, hooray, we've arrived, almost, almost arrived. Um, but I think, yeah, that the, the industry, journalism is just a huge, every, everything's changing, the digital landscape, all of that. So I think there's a lot of opportunity right now. Yeah. Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> so how has the industry changed? So, so here's the thing. If I think back to the early classes that I went to in my technology work, 
um, I would be the only female and the only African American in the whole room. I wasn't moved by that because I grew up in Orange County. If anybody knows anything about Orange County in the 70s, it wasn't the most colorful place. So I, I just sat in these classes like I would sit in the classes that I grew up in. So it didn't really move me or, or shake me or deter me. Um, and then over the years, I've seen more women come into this space. But what I'm finding is it's still um, the, the woman's role in, in software development, in IT, is just not where it needs to be. I just saw on 60 Minutes, uh, just this last weekend, uh, a gentleman that's created uh, an organization to get to young women or girls when they're in elementary school with coding. I forget the name of his organization. And he believes that it will change the landscape of software development in the next five years. So I'm looking forward to that time. I will be around. I look forward to seeing that. Uh, I'm an agile coach. And so I'm the only one I know that's an African-American female that's an agile coach in the work that I do. So uh, you know what? I'm here to welcome anybody that wants to come along, but it's not where it needs to be, I will say that for sure. We're getting very different answers, huh? That's kind of awesome. I think it's a work in progress in, the, in, in my military and defense industry. Um, when I first started, um, there weren't a lot of people like me in the room. I mean, if you can characterize the military and defense industry 13 years ago, good old boys club, Older seasoned men um, ran ran the businesses, um, but and they all served together. You know, they were either in the academy together or they were they served on ships together. Um, that was just the way it was. So slowly but surely, it has improved. I'm seeing a lot of um, promise. Like when I go into different uh, organizations now, a lot more women there. Um, number of the larger defense contractors now have female CEOs. That's um, Lockheed Martin, G General Dynamics, Boeing, and Northrop Grumman. And then this week, SAIC is now going to have a female CEO. So we're making progress. That, that wasn't like that 13 years ago for me. Um, so I think we're, we're making, we're not there yet, but we're making significant strides. I agree. Okay. And when I started in environmental health and safety many, many years ago, there really weren't very many women. Um, there are more women now, but it is still um, primarily male-dominated. But given that, I have to say, in all the years I've done environmental health and safety, it's always been a pretty good experience. I've really never felt... Um, I've never been harassed. I've never felt like I've been um, belittled. So I... I Perhaps it's just luck, but the teams that I've always been on, it's been more about like, you know, okay, I'm good at this and you're good at that, and it's not really a male-female thing. So I've had really good experience as far as that goes. That's excellent. Um, next question, uh, about the same time. Um, how has mentorship played a role in your career, both as a mentor um, and also as a mentee? Um, and I will say that... Uh, at the beginning of my career, having a mentor was a big deal uh, because I was a female and I was trying to advance, or not advance, just do, just be me. Um, and the good old boy network was there. So having a mentor to guide you was very important. Right now, mentorship is uh, my work um, and teaching, and I do teach at UCSD as well, um, allow me to share knowledge. Um, they allow me to give guidance, uh, support, um, but also how to share difficulties 
that I've experienced, just as we are doing here, um, and show how that they can be viewed as opportunity. Um, continue to l- listen and learn from everybody I meet, and tonight is no exception. You're always learning from other people around you. Sylvia. Mentors. You know, it comes back to education to me. I think I had one fantastic uh, teacher in high school, an uh, English teacher, and she would read everything I, re- I wrote. And didn't have to. She wasn't grading it or anything, but she was so supportive. And I just, um, and I had the same. I had a magazine writing instructor at USC who took me under his wing, showed me how to write a great resume, all of those things. So those people were really influential because they were the first adults outside of my parents who were supporting me in this career path. And I remember that my um, high school teacher, she wrote in my yearbook, I want a signed copy of your first book. And she showed up at one of my book signings, and I burst into tears. I burst into tears. And I, I, I carry that book around when I go talk to high schools and college students, because sometimes it just takes that one person to believe in you. Um, and I try to give that back to my students now. As you know, I teach journalism classes here and um, creative writing. And I think that's really important so that they know that they have a voice with their written word, with their creative creativeness, that they have a voice and they should express it. Alicia. I just got so into her story. I know. I like that you're always like, what? Oh. <laughs> yeah, mentorship, or as far as me being mentored, has been kind of informal, kind of to your point. I've, I, I'm an observer of people, and, and, and when I see leadership or a style that I like, I, I, I take note of that, and I, I mimic that in my own or develop that in myself. If I think all the way back to early years, my, um, I was in marching band. And um, I was in marching band for all of high school. And my band director, actually, when I think about mentors, he was a mentor for me. He was a maniac, but he was a mentor. He, he, he actually, I was a musician, and I wanted to be in the flag team or the rifle team. And, and he was the one person that believed that I could do it. I was a lousy rifle. But he, he believed in me and, and, and said, yeah, she can be on the team. So, I mean, it starts with the early years of people outside of your parents mm-hmm. believing yes. in you, just like what you said about the person endorsing your work. And I, it just goes all the way up through there. I had a, an instructor in my master's program. Just the way she taught I'm like, I want to be an instructor just like her. She was so passionate and sweaty every time she taught. And I just like, I love that. She's just really into it. And I, I mean, I'm just really passionate when I, when I teach. And so I think as far as mentorship, that's how my mentorship goes. I, I taught at UCSD uh, uh, in the project management group for uh, quite a while, five years. And, and, and I have people that ask for mentorship. <laughs> I get calls about that. And, and I'm open to that and happy to, happy to, to be a support for folks. That's awesome. Um, I've been fortunate in my life to have both male and female mentors along the way in different seasons of my life. So um, that's been great having that exposure. Um, One of my principal mentors in my current role is my dad. He's been uh, in the industry for the many years. He's still actually um, in the industry because he wanted to join my business as the executive vice president. So he's very excited. (laughs) I am his boss. And he thinks that's awesome. He tells that to everybody he meets. And so um, I'm very fortunate to be able to have someone with such knowledge and um, support being at my company um, because it's been a roller coaster ride in the defense industry for the 13 years I've been in it. 
And some of the things that he said, whoa, I didn't experience this when I was in my when I was in my business. Whoa, this is probably the worst time to ever have a business in this industry. <laughs> like, thanks, Dad. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Um, but it's nice to have someone there to run some ideas for, um, by and 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 get some guidance. So very fortunate to have him. And then in terms of mentoring others, um, I'm always open to that. Um, I've tried to do that, um, whatever I've learned a long way. But I am still learning myself. So. Um, I just try to convey what I've learned to date, and then um, maybe I can even learn more from the people who I'm mentoring. So I always love to learn. So um, hopefully that will just continue on. Yeah. Susie. Okay. Well, I've not really had a a formal mentor myself. Um, (laughs) Learned from a lot of people, but not really a formal mentor. I think I've mentored, though, a lot of people because I've taught through UCSD Extension for like 25 years or so. And really, I'm going to say thousands of students. And I hope that through my enthusiasm when I teach that I've you know, convinced some people to become environmental health and safety professionals and hear from them down the road. It's, it's fun. So I feel like I've hopefully done some good in that regard. So, ladies, uh, what are some of the foundational skills as we see some of these young professionals out here that they might need um, and if they are considering a career in the field that you are in or have been in um, my my advice is always something the foundational skills are an expert was a beginner at some point in time Um, and since I've had such an eclectic career I'm like you're never gonna know any of everything so just never stop learning. Um, And since you're never gonna know everything, you're always going to continue to be learning just as we are doing right now. And isn't that cool and exciting? So I think the foundational skills are you need to follow somebody as you're listening um, and find out what they did or how they got there. And you might find that it was the most, what did you call the path? Yes, a circuitous path that maybe that is not the path that you want to go on. Um, You have to go on your own path. Sylvia. Okay, for journalism. Oh, and you have to like drinking for me. (laughs) (laughs) Probably for journalism too, I would think. Um, (laughs) But I... I think technical things you have to know is you you have to write well, right? You have to write well, and grammar matters because a lot of our students today don't focus on grammar. Okay, so that's the technical side. (laughs) If you're going into journalism, um, you're going to interview people. And my biggest thing is you want to tell a story about these people. You want to be invested in them, but you need to put yourself in their shoes. I always always tell my students when they go out to interview someone, please put yourself in their shoes. Listen to their story. You have to be a really good listener and and then really figure out what they're trying to tell you because sometimes they're trying to tell you uh, something beyond those words that they're saying. Do you know what I'm saying? So especially if you have a one-on-one um, interview, you can check their body language and all of that, but I think you have to be a super good listener and, and listen to what their story is in order to tell it well. I love that. Listen to the story. Nice. Alicia. Yeah. Um, hmm. So to get where I am today, uh, the background that I have is I, I have certifications in project management, um, which I think is a, is a skill that 
you can use doing anything. So project management is such a foundation because you're going to do project management at work. You're going to do project management when your roof leaks and you need to hire a contractor and you need to bring people in. So it's a really foundational skill. One skill that I just recently uh, honed in the last, I'll say, two to three years is um, professional coaching. And that was life-changing for me. And so I would recommend anybody kind of on a path moving towards either being an entrepreneur or whatever it is you're going to do in your career. Professional coaching is such a great foundation skill because it teaches powerful listening, how to ask the kinds of questions that can elicit uh, people's developing their own accountability, all of that kind of stuff. Um, Project management, professional coaching. What's another foundation? I, I like what you said, just being open to learning and being a continuous learner. Yeah, for sure. Jimmy? In the military and defense industry, um, I think having some kind of expertise in the STEM field and trying to figure out how to differentiate yourself by creating a really unique capability um, is helpful. Um, you really need to have a clean record to be able to have a security clearance. And for example, there are things that are legal in the state, but they're not legal in the federal world. So um, you don't want to do that because when you're applying for your security clearance, you got to answer that question. So, um, so always think about the security clearance if you're you're young and you're making those decisions. Um, intern, take advantage of internships as much as possible because um, you can gain some of these experiences and then you can also sometimes be able to get that company to sponsor the said security clearance because it takes a very long time right now to get a clearance. Up, you know, at least a year or more. So if you can kind of get a head start while you're in college, um, and getting that um, clearance going and doing your internships, then you're a leg, you know, leg up on a lot of other people. And there's really not a lot. I mean, it's a very small talent pool, so you will have a lot of job opportunities if you can get that clearance and some past performance. And then um, also just need the ability to network and communicate effectively verbally as well as in the written word. So those are some skill sets that are really important in the my world. Susie. Okay. Well, you need to have some good technical abilities, um, probably in the science field for environmental health and safety. Um, some practical or common sense, I guess, like to know when something's a big deal and when it's really not a big deal. Because um, regulations and requirements, you know, are applied somewhat differently depending upon the situation. Um, I'd say good interpersonal skills. You have to be able to talk to executives and tradespeople, you know, maybe within the same day or the same meeting. Um, and then, as already been mentioned, empathy, I would say, for others is, is probably very important, or it is very important um, to try and explain risk and to sort of understand where people are coming from. My next question, I think we have all answered a little bit. So um, I'm going to throw it out here, and if you guys have anything to add, it's um, how do you grow and develop your professional skill set? And I think we've covered networking, uh, educating others, um, which, like for me, I'm a mad scientist or a sensory wizard, so it's the <laughs> teaching people how to do that. Uh, continuing education, um, asking questions, and taking on new challenges. Um, but do you have anything to add? 
Uh, a couple of things. I would join some professional organizations. Oh, that's good. Yeah. For sure. Um, I've been with the Society of Professional Journalists since college. And then, you know, throughout my career, I've, I've added others. Now that I'm a copy editor, I belong to uh, San Diego Professional Editors Network and others like that and, and other authors and and journalists association. So I think those are really important, not just for that continued education, but to network and just to stay relevant, you know, and be able, if you're teaching, you have to be able to bring something new to the table for your students also. So that's what's really important. <laughs> did it. I did it. I know. I did it. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. I would also say that, that teaching is a great way of, of kind of keeping you uh, focused on what the next thing is because to your point you're not going to be up in front of a, a group of students with yesterday's news right so you want to be kind of constantly pushing yourself and so that's that's a great prompt if you will uh, uh, for continuous learning is is teaching um, I, I do training as part of the work that I deliver so I'm constantly out on the edge and in front of that to make sure that I'm relevant for my students so yeah um, for me, for continuing education, it would be webinars. And then I don't have, I have a four-year-old, so I don't have time, between that and my business, I don't have time to read an actual book anymore. So I rely on Audible, which is awesome, because I could do it on the treadmill and while I'm driving in my car. So I read a lot of books, well, read a lot of books uh, while I do that, which is extremely helpful. Um, seminars, conferences, professional organizations, um, sitting on panels, moderating panels, um, and participating in leadership programs. So all of those things um, help me. Susie. Um, I would just have one thing to add. Since I do a lot of training others, I like to watch other trainers because I feel like I pick up great techniques from everyone. So I'd say watching other people and how they train and get their message across. So this question is a very personal question. How do you keep yourself inspired? Uh, and what do you think you're inspired to do next in your career? Uh, for me, I am passionately curious, uh, so I do read things. Um, whenever it's something that I don't know, I will go look it up. Um, and I ask questions because I have to know why. Um, that's part of the science, science piece of it. Um, and I say yes to opportunities that I might be inclined to say no to. And that I have started doing as I've gotten older, where normally somebody will say, hey, do you want to? And I might have said, no, um, right away, no. And now I just go, yes, because you never know where the next adventure is going to take you. And as far as my career, I never know where that ride is going to take me because the universe has a mysterious way of directing you in odd directions. And you know what you say? Yes, I will go that direction. Yes, ma'am. Well, I feel I'm so lucky. I love my job. Uh, when I get to interview people, I learn something from every single person I interview. And that has enriched my life so much and just made me a little smarter, I think. <laughs> I learned things about things I would never have known. Um, but it's, it's it comes down to being inspired by others, right, and hearing their stories. And, you know, I truly believe that um, in the power of the written word. So I think that when I write other people's stories, that I get to share those with others who need to hear those stories, and sometimes it does make a difference. You know, I want to, I want to believe that my writing makes a difference. Now, what I want to do 
in the future with my work is write more books. I probably have about seven that are all in different stages of completion. I just am teaching too much right now. So um, eventually go back to that. That inspires me. The people that I meet, that I get to interview, but also that I have this potential to create more, I don't know, beauty in books, I guess. Excellent. I, I can agree with that. Um, what, what, what I hear her say and what resonates for me is um, I'm inspired by connection. And in the work that I do with the executive and leadership coaching, every call that I have, I'm connecting with someone, and they're connecting with themselves and their, and their next level and their greater story and their better self and all these things. And that is so inspiring for me to, to listen to people and to be witness to their walk. Uh, to, to moving themselves to the next level. I'm inspired by that. I'm inspired by working for myself. So <laughs> everything that I, I do, I, I think about the next way that I can continue to work for myself. Um, and I'm inspired by uh, great women who are doing great things you know, with their passion and their energy. I'm always inspired by that. So, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm going through a period of self-reflection right now. I've been in my business for about 13 years and just trying to figure out, you know, where I am because I've been focusing so much on that and um, where the business is and where I can take it. Um, so it's, you know, a lot of self-reflection. So uh, inspiration for me is looking at what other um entrepreneurs are doing, whether they're in my industry or in other industries, seeing what they're doing, how they're succeeding, some techniques and tactics they're using, um, how they faced adversity, how they've been successful, and just learning from them, either by meeting with them and talking with them and just picking their brains, or just reading about them if there's someone that I I can't get to and meet in person. Um, And then for the business side is is realizing we're at a point where we need to hire a director of business development and um, being able to try to figure out um, how to differentiate ourselves more, um, to grow. And so we're um, pursuing that right now where we're looking for a director of business development. So it's an interesting time right now for for my company and for myself. So, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about 2019. You're inspiring yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Susie. Okay, well, I think I get most inspired when I explain something to someone and it sort of clicks and you all of a sudden see that, they get it. They get the safe way to handle something as far as a chemical or something like that. So that's that's what inspires me. I think what I'm focusing on now is um, kind of some emerging health and safety issues. Um, you may remember that just about two years ago, San Diego had quite a problem with hepatitis A and homeless encampments. Mm-hmm. So I've been working somewhat on that as far as how to clean up those encampments in a safe manner. And, um, you know, how, how wildland firefighters can fight fires without exposing themselves to all of the respiratory issues. So, you know, lucky for me, there's all sorts of environmental health problems. <laughs> there's a never-ending supply. So that's what I'd like to do in the future. That's excellent. All right, last question before you guys get to ask us questions. And this one is a quick one, and it's going to be a hard one because it's kind of fun. So... <laughs> In one sentence, give us your best career advice. And I like to think of this as when somebody comes up to you and says, how do I get to do what you do? How do I get to be what you do? Think of it as the billboard. 
So what would you want your billboard to say as people are coming by? It's your billboard or your rainbow um, if you watch a certain show and know what I'm talking about. Um, mine would be no fear. Just embrace opportunity and follow your passion. Okay. Mine is don't take no for an answer. Yeah. Take a leap of faith. Yeah. Um, mine is, and I got this from my dad, that your job security is between your ears and your reputation matters. Yeah. For my dad as well, if it were easy, then anyone could do it. <laughs> Susie. And I think mine would be something like, you know, your working years last a long time, so pick something fun. (laughs) (laughs) So we will now be networking with you. Um, And I want to thank these lovely ladies for being a part of this wonderful panel because I've learned learned a lot. Um, I want to leave you guys with a little bit of something that is the be silly, be weird, be kind, but be you. And that will be something that I think everybody here is going to agree with. Being you is the most important thing because there's no time for anything else. And break. Yeah. <laughs>